Hello, and welcome back to Learn It From a Layman. I am Carl Christensen. I'm joined tonight by Matt and uh, first-time podcast guest, Natalie Vogel. Hi, Natalie. Hello. Hello. We're, we're super excited to have you on, Natalie. You're um, a physical therapist, um, and you have, so we're going to talk about the basics of physical therapy tonight. Uh, as a little bit of background, you, um, you've been doing this for a couple of years now, and yeah. uh, you tell us like what, what your education, educational background is as well. Yes. So I took kind of the longer route to get to where I'm at. So I don't know if this is exactly what you wanted, but I ha I got a bachelor's degree in sign language because I thought I wanted to be an interpreter for a while, which I was and it was good. But the freelance style is not my vibe. I really value okay. security and have very low risk tolerance. So I went <laughs> and got a master's in public administration, um, thinking I would do nonprofit work. Uh, turns out you don't really make a lot of money there. and <laughs> Just the, the nonprofit designation. Yeah, right? <laughs> Something about that. Um, but also local government is kind of the other option that my program kind of steered us toward. And that was definitely not for me. So then I was looking for something else to do. And at the same time, I had just graduated from master's. My master's program, I decided I was going to work out finally. I had the time and I got injured. So I went to physical therapy and I was like, what is this? This is cool. <laughs> I want in. And so then I had to go back to school to take some prerequisites to apply to programs. And then it's a three-year program after your bachelor's if you do the, the straight track. Interesting. So you got, you got sucked into physical therapy by doing someone doing physical therapy on you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's, yeah. That's, it's awesome. uh, I, I mean, I, I wonder how frequent that's the, the way that people come in. I'd imagine that it's more... Uh, you know, uh, just anyway, that, that, that sounds unique to me, but that's awesome. Um, okay. Well, it sells itself. Um, <laughs> exactly. It's a, tells you how awesome the profession is. Well, let's start a little bit then about, um, I, uh, Natalie, you know, the podcast titles learn it from a layman. So I'm not, um, I'm pretty unknowledgeable. I could probably stop the sentence there, but I was going to continue by saying I'm pretty, I'm pretty unknowledgeable about physical therapy. And, um, and so give me uh, physical therapists. Do you specialize on a particular body part or, um, or, or is it, I'm a physical therapist, therefore I can do all things. Um, theoretically you're a physical therapist, so you are able to do basically anything. Um, it's a lot more broad than I think most people know. So I feel like the most well-known is the, you know, muscle or joint injuries. You have like a knee replacement, you go to an outpatient clinic and you get exercises and they do their little muscle work on you and then you get better. Um, but there's tons of different specialties. So like I work in a hospital and I work with the people who like I typically work in the cardiovascular ICU. So people who are had open heart surgery, who have like the day after they have a stroke or a brain injury, car crash, you know, all kinds of different um, injuries or illnesses. And I just help get them out of bed and like moving again. Um, there's like 10 different like clinical specialties that you can get. Um, that are like cardiovascular and pulmonary. 
Um, and so that's more of like what I do. I'm not in that specialty. These all require that you like take a bunch of continuing education and um, like pass a test. But okay. there's like geriatrics, neurology, which is that is usually with like spinal cord injuries, strokes, traumatic brain injuries. Mm. Um, there's like a women's health, which I think they're trying to transition that to be, be pelvic floor in general. Um, so that's a lot of postpartum women are like pregnant, but men have pelvic floors too, and they can have um, problems with that. So okay. they can treat men as well. There's like, they can do wounds, there's pediatrics, there's oncology. So there's tons of different. Different specialties. Uh, yeah. Right. There's, and okay. I know. Some people do specialize in a in a joint area. So, like some people are like TMJ specialists for people with mm. like jaw issues, or you can have like uh, vestibular specialties who work with like concussions or vertigo or dizziness or those sorts of things. So we, there's it's really really broad as far as the field goes. So I feel like it's if you're not happy with where you're at, then there's probably a place okay. somewhere else for Other you. Other options. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering, you, uh, you said in your background, you you got your uh, degree in ASL, right? Mm -hmm. Your undergrad. Yeah. Has that been useful to you as well in physical Actually, therapy? Really has been. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not certified to interpret anymore. Um, but when our interpreter service is down, I have used my signing to communicate with patients. Um, with, I mean, they, they know I'm not certified, so I will, like, sure. I'm not trying to do anything illegal, but yeah, right, it's super right. useful. And patients really appreciate that I can like understand them directly and communicate with them. That's not something that most patients who use sign language or who are deaf get to use that often. So yeah. it's kind of fun. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Sounds yeah. like a, a big plus to, uh, working with, uh, you know, working with deaf patients. Um, yeah. Uh, we we'll probably circle back around. I'd be a little bit interested to see, you know, um, if you're working on uh, people with those types of disabilities, what what the special, you know, things that you've got to do, like you said, an interpreter or whatever. But let's follow. I, I sent you a list of questions. We can kind of walk down those and then explore uh, sure, yeah, some of whatever. these other. <laughs> okay. Well, I so I, I, as a layman and and knowing just some very basic things about physical therapy. Um, Physical therapy is—is is it generally to um, help avoid surgery, or is it post, you know, post surgery? Yeah, oh. all the above. Yes, okay. it's really the big phrase that they use in physical therapy is "it depends," and so you just have to be like, <laughs> okay, what does it depend on? And I guess okay. for most people, most people try to avoid surgery, and so in a lot of cases, it is to try and and put that off to see if they can stabilize the joint or ligament or whatever that is the problem to see if you can like strengthen the muscles around it well enough to stabilize it so that you can just do your day-to-day -day things um, or if you have to have surgery because sometimes you know muscles can only help arthritis so much so people get like knee replacements or you know athletes get their ACLs repaired or whatever, um, then PT, I think, is like the best way and the most efficient way to like get back to your prior level, um, whatever that may be. Sure. So do you, your your clinic, so you work in a hospital, right? Mm -hmm. So you're probably mostly working with people um, that are dealing with, with uh, post-surgery. Is that true for you? Yeah, that is true for me. 
Yeah, largely, okay. I would say, yeah, they're pretty acute. So I'm like the first person to get somebody out of bed after right. a surgery. Um, I don't, in general, with my role, I don't really see how people progress much outside the hospital with things like joint replacements or like spine surgeries I or shoulder surgeries. Um, I saw them during my clinicals at school. So I kind of have a general idea, but something with that happens like after a car crash or like a freak accident, I don't really get to see how those particular people recover very well. Got so. It. Okay. So I guess uh, kind of on in that vein then does, um, in, I guess in your case, and then what you've seen in clinically and just generally in, in the PT field, does each injury disease require different, you know, different approach, different therapy, or like if, if, if someone's just had surgery and has been laying in bed for a week or whatever, in your case, is it always, I know that these are the things I've got to do with them in order to get them mobile. You know, are there go-to therapies depending on body part or is mm -hmm. it just, um, do you, you work up a therapy plan individually? Uh, I would say largely it's kind of the same general things. Um, so like after a joint replacement, you want to get range of motion first so that they can move it before you really start trying to like get the big muscle movements with weights going. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay. you know, like there's the general set, like, okay, that's the, per that's the general order that you would do things. But as far as how you go about doing that, it's pretty individual based on like how much pain that person's in, what they could do before surgery, um, how fast they're progressing. Um, so I would say largely it's pretty individual, but there is kind of a general pattern that people will follow no matter where you go. But as far as like how that pattern is presented can be pretty variable. And that's where I think it gets to be pretty creative to be a physical therapist is you get to see like, okay, how can I make this not horrible and boring for this person? Like, what are you interested in? You want to get back to golf? Okay, let's see how we can make this applicable. So you yeah. can see how the boring things you're doing now will get you back to. Sure. Right. Give thing. them some motivation. Yeah, mm -hmm. that makes sense. So as in, in your day-to-day -day work right now, um, do you work directly with doctors um, as far as like being, understanding, you know, what, you know, what their patient's physical condition is, what their limitations might be? Um, and is that normal? Like if you worked in a different clinic, do you, do you just have to trust your patients? I mean, like, oh, this is what happened to me. Or do you get like a, you know, a physician's note as far as like, this is, mm -hmm. this is what happened? Good question. I feel like my job in a hospital is a little different is because I get the notes. I can see all of the notes from all of the doctors and nurses who have worked with a patient up until like I work with them. Um, but in the hospital, because they're not exactly medically stable, which is why they're there, we do work within some parameters set by the doctor. Um, so often like we don't get to work with somebody until a doctor says, hey, you need physical therapy now, you're medically stable enough to start moving out of bed and trying to progress towards your prior level. Um, and then sometimes they'll have like blood pressure parameters or, you know, if they can or cannot weight bear on certain limbs, um, just given if there are injuries. But largely at, at the typical outpatient clinic, I would say it's relatively off like off hands from doctors, unless it was a surgery, 
if it's just like a, an old chronic injury, you get a referral um, or you can just walk in if your insurance will pay. Um, and they'll just kind of take your word and just go with it. Um, we're trained on like the big red flags on when we need to stop and when we need to talk to your doctor. Um, but if it's a surgery, then the surgeon will give you like a pretty uh, detailed plan on how fast to progress them because that's ultimately ref a reflection on their and them and their work. Um, sure. So again, it kind of so depends. Depending on the situation, bit. it depends. Yeah. I guess that's what you said. Here right? we are. That's the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that honestly, while you were talking there, it reminded me ironic that. I mean, we've I've I've contacted you about this podcast a couple of weeks ago. I've been thinking. I wrote up the questions. I'd forgotten. I actually had physical therapy like ten years ago. I had uh, a running injury. Experience. Okay. Yeah. I, so I I went to a sports medicine doctor, um, and he uh, he diagnosed me with with uh, I had some type of tendonitis in my foot. I think. Is that a thing? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's been a while. Okay. <laughs> and I, I've got very flat feet and um, and I had no support in my shoes and I've been playing a lot of basketball and doing a lot of running. And so um, anyway, he referred me to a physical therapist and I went in and uh, uh, I worked with, um, I think, two physical therapists um, and they gave me some good insights, some good exercises, some good, uh, I feel like there was some type of machine involved that confused me uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean it, it it seemed like there was, was a like a licensed repute this wasn't like a back alley therapist right? <laughs> i'm wondering yeah at the end they tried to sell me a, a timeshare i don't i mean I don't, <laughs> just kidding that didn't happen but um no the uh it, it seemed like they had a pretty good control uh a, handoff. I, I'm guessing the doctor to ex explain to them at least some basics about what had happened to me. So that's why I was, uh, I guess, mostly interested in what, what the situation is, both from with you, because it makes sense, obviously, in the hospital, if you're in there, you're going to be working with the doctors. But in yeah, an outpatient clinic, what uh, what you get to hear, what you get to see versus what, because uh, I know I told the uh, I told my the physical therapist I work with that I ran I, I run because she was asking me a little uh, getting a little more information about it, and I told her and she's like okay I need to see you run so she actually took me outside and like had me run, and mm -hmm. she's like okay, you got to work on this and this and this, <laughs> so um, I, yeah it yeah. was uh, it was good. <laughs> I have a um, a sticker on my water bottle that says I'm silently analyzing <laughs> your gait. That's because Man, like you how know. you walk and how you run really affects like why you're having pain. So yeah, that's what that we want our listeners to come away with knowledge that wherever they are, a therapist may be judging them. It's possible. <laughs> you just never know. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, but you uh, can now assume. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's really funny. Okay. Um, all right, let's move on to the next question. So my next question was, um, should, okay, physical therapy. Um, is it a life habit? Like, do you have customer customers in the hospital? doesn't make sense, I guess. Well, that's okay. Patients. And I feel like my, yeah, we can talk largely the outpatient. That's what people are familiar with. Okay. And their right. customers, it, their patients, their consumers. Right. <laughs> yeah, are most people in it just 
you know, get, I'm guessing most people are in it to just get in and out. It's like a medication, but are, you know, what are the scenarios where you need to do it for a specific time frame and, or just indeterminate period? I would say largely it's just kind of a, a fix. Like you do it for a certain amount of time and ideally you get to a place where you either can manage it on your own, that if it does keep popping up, then you've got the tools that you can kind of deal with it and keep going without any like big bumps in the road. Um, or it's just like not a problem again for you. Um, but there are a lot of people that will have to like periodically come back for some thing related to that same thing. It might not be like the exact same thing every time, but just how it manifests itself is a little differently. So I would say largely the goal is to get you to be independent with managing yourself and being able to do what you love and like try to incorporate some of those tools into what you do um, so that you don't have to keep coming back. But I feel like bodies are messy so the job security is pretty good <laughs> right right so generally it can be viewed as re rehabilitative right the yeah. idea that you're hopefully going to be able to get to the point where yeah you can either manage it yourself or or you've solved the issue but that you know there can be relapses and, totally. and that you might end up uh coming back totally. um, re return customer there you go. um okay uh what about um so I guess, well, and your, the sticker on your water bottle gives me an idea that uh, potentially running and or the way that you walk is uh, a common issue that you deal with. What are the frequent physical therapy issues? Like what, uh, you know, I guess, and once again, I guess that's, it depends, but. Yeah, largely you know, I would what, say like. What are like, all the reasons oh. that you could have therapy? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. how many parts are there in a body? Just kidding. Um, I would say. Well, I mean, that's lot. really it, isn't it? Right? Like, I mean, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but largely I would say a lot of people have back pain. Um, a lot of people have shoulder pain and a lot of people have knee pain. Those are kind of the, the big ones. You say um, a lot of it's focused around joints. Yeah. At least in the outpatient. Yeah. In, in the hospital, it's because people get old. Right. <laughs> but, right. but as far as like the outpatient, what people are familiar with, I think back pain is probably one of the biggest things. Um, and which of those, and this might be more subjective, I guess, in, in your experience, have, have better outcomes, like as far as like being able to get people back to, you know, 100% or at least close to it. Like if you rehabilitate a knee, are you expecting mm -hmm. like, okay, that's going to work? Like back issues to me seem like you're just, you're just trying to manage the pain. I mean, maybe that's just my perception though, right? Right. Or what's right. your experience? Well, I, and I can only speak because I've only had like a few shorter weeks in the outpatient right. clinics for my schooling. Um, but I think most, most things do get better with PT, but I find that the, the ones that do get better just in general are the ones where people aren't like catastrophizing their pain. And this is maybe not what you expected, but if you can not, not necessarily like embrace that you're having pain, but just kind of accept like, yes, I'm, I'm in pain and it's not the end of the world. And mm. um, just like our trauma response and anxiety kind of, feeds into how we handle pain. And then also if you're willing to like actually work to get it better. 
Okay. So I would say if those so it's are more, it's more about. Sorry, so it's essentially no, 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 more yeah, about the it, mindset. Yeah, it is. Which interesting. And that's that's kind of just my experience. I can I'm, I haven't sure. seen everything, but I'm sure right. That's got to be true for you too, though, right? Even in the hospital, dealing with mm -hmm. post-surgery things, if people have a mindset of like I can do this, you know, I've got a physical therapist here to help me, but you know, I'm going to put my effort in. You're able to achieve more with them than people that are just you know, knocked out, not able to, you know, are just completely down and out, right? Yeah, totally. Okay. That's, uh, it's probably a good life lesson. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we could go what we on do a little, learn it from a layman. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we could go on a little like social commentary about how our society doesn't prepare us to like handle pain or deal with pain. Well, hey. um, we yeah, have we'll worldwide listeners, Natalie. Cover so the basics of pain, which is something <laughs> that we're probably overdue for. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, I was going to say our listeners need it at this point. I mean, <laughs> we've been <laughs> inflicting pain on them for years. <laughs> um, no, uh, like I said, worldwide listeners. I would be interested to, you know, uh, your experience, Natalie, is in the United States, but um, definitely. I, w I wonder, you know, if. Uh, that commentary about like, you know, the mindset of patients and physical therapy, if it holds true and say Tasmania, you know, openly shilling still for our Tasmanian listeners. So uh, also quick aside from our main. So Natalie's husband, Jerem, was on a month ago. He talked about um, digital uh, illustration or illustration in general. So we're, we're really tapping into the Vogel knowledge, uh, you know, set so we appreciate all that you and your whole f family and extended family which by the way we have your brother-in-law coming on soon and, and then your sister-in-law and <laughs> cool so, wow, yeah, yeah. You've got a whole network here oh yeah it's it's a good time <laughs> um just the vogel family <laughs> okay let's get back to pt though um <clears throat> Exercises and, and stretches that healthy people can do to promote good body health. What are some, are there like ones, if you're walking down, you see someone with a bad gait, that, that sticker on your water bottle, do you ever walk up to someone and be like, you should try this? <laughs> Definitely not. Nope. No. <laughs> okay. What, um, what are the, what are some good, idea, I guess, good stretches or exercises, or is that, once again, it depends? Well, largely, I, I mean, it does depend. I would say like the very best exercise ever is one that you are going to do consistently. Mm -hmm. So whether that's like swimming or biking or running or walking or hiking, you know, like whatever, that's the best one. And it's better than none. And five minutes is better than zero minutes. Um, so that's like what I would always pitch first. But as far as like common gait abnormalities, if we wanted to get into that, um, <laughs> sure, there's um, a muscle called your gluteus medius that is that sits like on the side of your hips. That okay. essentially, so if this glasses case that's level, I'm holding it between my two hands is your pelvis. Um, the two, my hands on either sides is like your gluteus medius, and when you walk one of these muscles is basically off it's not working so it has to be supported and kept level by one side and when it doesn't it kind of tips your pelvis down on the opposite side 
And that can cause a lot of like weird hip rotations or, and just a lot of like hip pain. Um, and I would say largely just because we move in straight pathways, we don't do a lot of side to side movements. That's the, the muscle that is like weakest in us. And so you can work that by doing like side lunges or side steps um, or like single leg bridges, those sorts of things. Interesting. So that yeah. would be for, you'd recommend that for everyone, not even like, not specifically runners or athletic people, but if you just want. I would say largely probably 95 of a percent of us has pretty weak glute medius. All right. But I also uh, don't work in the outpatient setting. So that's just, you know, from what I see yeah. and my little, little, little experience. Do you have like a little notebook that you like take notes on me like this person? You know I mean, if you're <laughs> no. judging people's gait and you're like, no, they, it's a fun have... just pastime. It's nice that I can just like be like, oh, that's interesting. And then just kind of let it go. That's fun. That's I've I've commented before. I I used to swim. I was a big swimmer in high school, as was Matt. Actually, we um, and when you see someone swim as a former swimmer, and I also was a lifeguard. I, I was in the water for a long time, uh -huh. and so as soon as I see someone swim, I'm immediately judging them. Like immediately, yeah. I look at someone swim, and I'm like, no, no, that's wrong. No, that doesn't. And and just like some snap judgments also about the ability, how far they can swim, how fast they can swim. Like immediately. There you go. Yeah, it's um, very, and, it's probably pretty similar. Right, exactly. And I don't do that with people walking and I don't do it with people running, but it sounds like that's what the physical therapists, yourself included, are able to do or be able to look at someone and be like, okay, they have this problem. So it's like yeah. a superpower. Well, network. although I will say that in general, unless you're having pain with walking or running, if you do have an ab abnormal gait, it's not necessarily bad. So, so it's one of those you're special just the way you are kind of messages or <laughs> yes wow that's beautiful yes <laughs> right okay um now like i said you've been in the field a couple of years you've been working in a hospital and so you've probably seen uh lots of six well i guess probably both successes and, and maybe even failures but what are the big successes you've seen in your time as a physical therapist? Uh, there's, it's hard to find like one patient. I've been kind of thinking on this since you gave me the questions ahead of time. And I really couldn't think of like one particular patient where it's been like awesome. Cause a lot of the things that I see in the hospital don't necessarily have like beautifully tied up endings. Cause like I see, right someone who's been in a car accident and has a brain injury now. Um, but I'm able to like get them to sit up for the first time and to even sit up in a way that they can support themselves, and I'm not having to hold them up. Um, or I get to like take them on a walk for the very first time since, you know, they've had their spinal cord injury or a stroke and that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's really um, cool. That sounds uh, super scary though, too. So you've done that before. That sounds so oh, yeah. scary to me. <laughs> it's sometimes it gets pretty dicey. And so, like, but are people like what um, are you? Do you work with a team, by the way, Natalie, or is it just you? You're the physical oh, no, therapist. heavens. No, I, there's oh, gosh, I don't even know. There's at least. I would say maybe about 20 physical therapists at the hospital I work at, but we also work very closely with the occupational therapists 
and their team is about as big. And then the speech therapists where there's like eight of them. So we kind of all coordinate and talk about how patients are doing and who's on our caseload and that sort of thing. But I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess to answer your question, yes, I do work with the team. Okay. So walking the halls with, with a spinal cord injury, that sounds pretty, pretty crazy. Um, is that, I mean, like you said, the, you've seen some pretty traumatic injuries. Those mm -hmm. are, are those the big ones? Like you said, uh, neurological issues as well. Have you been, do you do physical therapy, like helping people swallow? Is that, or is that, uh... that's the speech therapists. Okay. I don't really know the anatomy of the mouth and the throat very, very well, <laughs> but, okay. um, sometimes we can co-treat in that, like I can get someone sitting up because you should not really be eating, laying down. So we, I can help sit them up and then the, the speech therapist can come and see how they're swallowing or give them tools on how to do that or tools on how to communicate better. Um, cause sometimes that's impacted with brain injuries or strokes. Um, mm. so it's kind of cool. When you're doing your physical therapy in, in the hospital, do you, do you get a team of nurses to help you? Cause I'm guessing, you know, if you're walking the halls with a, a large male that's had a spinal injury, you like, if they're start collapsing, well, what are your options? <laughs> you know, the only real option we have, everybody uses a, we put a belt around their waist called a gate belt. And that's, we hang mm -hmm. on to that in case they're wobbly. Ideally, I will be able to assess their gait and their strength to gauge correctly how far they can go and get back. Or okay. I'll bring a chair or have somebody like follow me with a chair. Um, but if they're going down, which knock on wood, that hasn't happened to me yet. Good. Um, you help lower them to the floor just so that they don't get hurt, but I'm not trying to like lift them up at all. We're just trying to get okay. them down safely and then we can find a way to get them back into a chair to get them back okay. to their room. So these are the things you've trained on. Then it sounds like you, you mm -hmm. know, like you, you assess beforehand. It's not like you just casually go for a stroll in the hall and be like, let's see if you can do a half a mile today. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> definitely not. It's very like I assess kind of my process is like I assess how they're moving in bed laying down and then I get them sitting up at the side of the bed and make sure their vitals are stable because sometimes the blood pressure tanks and then um, I see how their strength is if they can't kick their legs straight at the side of the bed then we're definitely not going very far um, and then I see how they're doing standing up how their balance is we take some steps at the side of the bed see how that goes um, and then if I'm like checking all these boxes, then we can try to go out and back. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I've definitely taken patients farther than they could go. And we've had to take an emergency seat in the, in the hallway on a okay. office chair. Um, um, yeah. yeah. And I unfortunately yeah. did have a patient who died on me one time. That's not oh my gosh. the usual, but yeah. That has happened. That wasn't that's anything traumatic. I did, but it feels no, like right. it. No, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Well, I guess that would somewhat be expected if you're working with people that have the, these super traumatic injuries. Yeah, um, it was, and things. it was in the cardiovascular ICU, so mm. we just didn't, you know, yeah. It was yeah, that's tough, though. It's not expected, but yeah, I mean, anything's game in the hospital, basically. Right, right. Anything okay. you can think of could happen will happen it happens <laughs> yeah that's uh I, I, i've told you natalie but uh, johnny uh, the podcast host that comes on very frequently with us as mm -hmm. well as a doctor yeah the the stories of the hospital i mean that could be its own pot uh, probably is its own I podcast know. somewhere it probably is but <laughs> yeah, yeah but uh, um okay you already talked a little bit about the schooling 
um, I guess your schooling specifically, but and then you mentioned some of the other specialties. Um, uh, there, there, uh, the you have you do ongoing courses then to, to maintain your 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 degree, or what's uh, what does schooling look like? Both what you've already done and then what you do to maintain your uh, your license. Or sure. So the to get a degree in physical therapy, it's actually a doctorate. Um, so you have to have a bachelor's and then you'll have to meet certain like prerequisite requirements. And those vary depending on the school. Um, and then I think most schools are two and a half to three years. My school had like short summer breaks. And so mine was th full three years. Some people do like three years straight through, others do it in two and a half. But regardless, you hit the same kind of general uh, education focuses on like a neuro course, an orthopedics course. Um, now I'm like blanking on everything I ever learned. Um, <laughs> and you, you'll do like a little bit of research, um, you know, those sorts of things. And then after you have to pass uh, the, the boards essentially where the, um, the NPTE is the big test where you, it's a national test um, and it's four hours long and you have to wait for your results, but then you'll have to right. also pass a, a state test for what the laws are around, like what you are allowed to do in the state. Um, so does, so it, does that mean that every state you, if you were to move Natalie, you'd have to get relicensed. Is that a, an easy process or largely it is? I think it's pretty easy. I think you have to pay a fee. And then a lot of the, um, the legal exams are open book. I, from what I understand, I haven't had to do that. And then there are some states in the West, I think like Washington, Oregon, maybe Idaho. I don't know who else, maybe Arizona. There's like a, a pact basically. So if I'm licensed here, I don't have to do a lot to get licensed in Oregon or in Idaho. Um, so, but it's, it's not a national certification. Okay. Um, and then to maintain my um, license, I have to get like 32 hours of continuing education every two years, I think. I might be spouting all of this exactly wrong, but this is kind of <laughs> learn it from a layman here to get what they pay for. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah, uh, I plan you, to do it every two years, so uh, <laughs> that way. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, you obviously those continuing education courses that you're that you do take, regardless of whether or not specifically thirty-two hours, are, are those done in like? with conjunction with your employer so like can you working at the hospital are there like can you sign up for courses there or are these like national courses that you sign up for that makes uh, sense I don't know. there are i mean there are always tons of national courses that you can take um the hospital i work at we do have occasional courses where they do offer like an hour here and there um and then sometimes they'll like reimburse me for to go to a course as it relates to like my role in the hospital okay. um because i'm not an outpatient therapist they're probably not going to pay me to go and learn like how to cure back pain because that's not something that i like really right. deal with um but yeah if you're lucky then your employer will pay for for some of that there's as many courses 
for whatever you might be interested in. Um, you just It's just a matter of doing the research and finding what is applicable to where you are and what you want to learn about. Okay. Um, what uh, this probably is outside of your your ken, I guess, but internationally, if you were to move to Canada, um, is the license like completely different? You'd have to like, I mean, but your your degree transfers, right? So then it would just be. Yeah. So I may or may not have done a little bit of research on this actually, oh, yeah? um, and I think. Um, the U.S. it's a doctorate, but I think in a lot of other countries it's actually a bachelor's degree. Um, so the and I don't I guess I don't know how far the scope goes if they do a lot of like inpatient physical therapy like what I do, or if it's mostly outpatient. Um, but I would be able to. I'd have to take the um, their. Uh, national license exam, right. um, which I would probably need to study for since I've been kind of in my one tunnel, my one lane for so long. Right. Um, but okay. Yeah, I just ha I'd have to pass whatever national boards to the other countries. Um, all right, that's good to know. Um, all right, what about so obviously we had the COVID pandemic a few years ago, and everything went remote. Um, yeah. Physical therapy seems like something that you want to do in person. Are there, um, and I don't want to know what, what, how it might lined up with your, uh, you know, your schooling and your clinic and all that you had to do. Were, were there remote sessions? Can you do remote physical therapy? You can. I think it's a lot harder to do because in, in trying to like suss out where exactly the problems are with how somebody's moving and why someone does certain things like there are certain tests that we can do to like rule out certain things or rule in like muscles or nerves or joints or whatever so those are so hard to explain to somebody else on how to do to themselves if you can't even do it to yourself um but if you have kind of established what the problem is with somebody and you're just trying to like progress things um, as someone gets out of like the more painful parts of their situation, I guess it's more trying to transition them to like exercises and increasing their tolerance and things. So I think it'd be a lot easier to, um, to do a remote session once you've established that. Um, but as far as like a first time trying to figure things out, I don't really know how well that works with somebody, but I know it's, ha it had to happen for a lot of people during the pandemic. So you didn't, you didn't personally have to do it though. Mm -mm, I was in my clinical rotation, um, when it was really bad. And I did have, uh, an instructor who had one patient that she was seeing, um, remotely, but she'd had a relationship with that person, um, for several months. And so she had, she knows oh, okay. exactly like, right where where to take the session so but yeah all right so uh yeah. i'm we're on our last question but i'm gonna throw you a curveball here on the last question you already you already before the podcast told me that recent developments are not like something that you've seen necessarily in at least in the work that you've done but what about um prosthetics um, oh man so there's actually a master's degree that is prosthetists and orthotists okay. um that is super fascinating and I don't know enough about, but there's 
I feel like there's always cool things happening with the different like joints that they have available, especially with like any upper extremity prosthetics, the way that they have to creatively problem solve like grip and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a you really haven't... neat field. I don't know okay. a lot about it. You haven't worked with anyone that's that like I said, you're in you know, the hospital. No one's like recently had like a, a new prosthetic limb attached and, and you've been assigned to that case. No, so I would see someone right after they have the amputation. Oh, okay. And at that right. point, it's a really fresh wound. Things are super swollen. So you don't want to get fitted until things are super healed and desensitized because after they have typically amputated a limb, your brain is trying to rewire where that part of your Typically, it's the leg, so that's why I'm kind of thinking about it in the leg. So, like, right. they're trying to remap, like, where is that foot? How am I going to cope with that? So you have to, like, desensitize your leg before you can, like, bear weight on that. Mm. Um, so those are the things that I typically educate someone on is, like, making sure they still have good strength. They still have their full range of motion. They're, um, you know, you're trying to desensitize the leg. And then they just kind of have to wait several weeks up to months before things kind of settle and then they can get fitted and they, they would go to a prosthetist or or a prosthetist, I guess, to get that fitted. So I only see them if they've had them for a really long time. And oftentimes they're either getting a new amputation or it's like old hat and totally unrelated to why they're in the hospital. Okay. Um, I guess then it's disappointing answer. I think (laughs) It's a, it's a good answer. It's good because I, I was, um, I, yeah, I, I mean, you obviously know the specifics of, of how you get the prosthetic and, and that's something I'm not familiar with. Um, okay. Last question from me then is, uh, what about, um, so people coming up in the field, um, said so you're relatively new in the field, but you've, you've been in a couple of years. Um, any words of encouragement or advice that you could give to people that are studying or interested in physical therapy, uh, any directions that they should be taking their studies or, or specific useful things that, like you said, ASL for you was able to, you know, give you a little bit of, uh, you know, potentially uh, help uh, dealing with your pa- patients, anything that you wish that you knew, you know, five years ago that you're, that you could use now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so another, another quick, uh, no, it's great. It's a good, it's a really good question. Um, I guess while you're thinking about it, sorry, I was just going to say like, um, I'd imagine languages are like ASL or potentially Spanish, uh, United States, something being able to communicate communication is, uh, I imagine an important part of any type of uh, relationship. So, you know, the physical therapist and their patient, being able to communicate, I'd imagine is an important one, but sorry, that's, yeah, um, yeah, no. And it's interesting you bring that up, but like in the area that I live in the Vancouver, Washington area, we have a lot of people who speak Russian and that's probably what I use our interpreter services for the most, even hmm. more than Spanish and definitely more than ASL. So it's like, Oh, I wish I had even thought about taking Russian languages, but right. it hadn't occurred to me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that would be useful right now. Um, I guess more generally, I think everybody would make a great physical therapist and that they would find something they're interested in. Um, But I guess if that's something you're interested in, go for it. Because even if you're not jazzed about like the typical outpatient orthopedic setting, like 
there's just so many different ways that you can like work in this field and like be helpful and make changes in people's lives that even if you don't feel like you fit the general mold, like there's a place for you. Right. You just have to find where you, where you want to be. Yeah. Um, and and in, in the world of, of, you know, AI and, and uh, people questioning their job security, I'd imagine physical therapists, you have to feel pretty secure. Yeah, I mean, people, I, people aren't going anywhere and they're not getting healthier. So. Yeah. No, bodies are, bodies heal really well, but they also break down. So. Right. Yep. Nice. Okay. Matt, did you have any final questions for Natalie? Uh, no, I think you answered every question that needs to be answered regarding physical therapy. So good work. <laughs> I think Matt constantly takes digs at the end of every podcast where I've sent questions. We're very he... thorough. <laughs> that, uh, that's, um, yes, Natalie did a great job and I hope my questions were useful, but, um, yeah, Natalie, thank you for coming on and thank you for the insights that you have. And uh, uh, we'll check back in in the future and uh, see if you and, and Jerem can come on and uh, give us a uh, idea of freelance versus not freelance work because it sounds like we have a little bit of a disagreement on what uh, <laughs> that's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we're both pretty happy with where we're at individually in that sense. So, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but thanks cool. for having well, thank me. Yeah, thank you, Natalie, and we'll uh, we'll be back in the next podcast. Thanks. Mm -hmm.